Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder. Hello and welcome to Oddcast, Movies, Music and Gaming. And here with me, Sam, is Dan. Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you doing? Yes, good, thank you. And today... I'm not going to ask you how you are, because today we're going to do <laughs> a hit and a shit. That's right. We're going to be doing hit and a shit, where we each take a hit and we take a shit song of a subject or a band, and we switch them together and uh, we talk about it. So That's mad, like some kind of deranged scientist. Yeah, uh, well, I know. And this is what might come out the other end. Like Hopefully a human not caterpillar of music. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? But today's subject is tears for fears. Tears for Fears. We had this um, with some other subjects and band stuff as well, where there is a point where it is very difficult to pick a hit 
and a shit with bands um, and artists mm-hmm. that we love so much and so dear. I have to say that I found choosing the shit slightly difficult, but not as difficult as choosing the hit. Likewise, mm. there are some amazing songs in the band's catalogue mm. that I know we both love. Um, we did an episode, didn't we, last year, specifically on The Hurting. Yes. Um, and so, you know, that is real rich ground for hit gold. Um, but in regards to shit, there's actually quite a lot. Um mm-hmm. Even, I mean, The Seeds of Love, which has some great songs on it, um, is where I think things start to go a bit a bit wrong for them. Um, that quite sort of big produced sound mm. um, starts to yield some quite cheesy naff songs. Yeah. So even as early as that, there's some, there's some shit. And to be honest, even I think maybe there might be one or two on songs from the big chair. But as well, some of their B-sides, quite experimental um, some of those to me, and normally I love B sides, mm. but even some of those early B sides, I'm like, bloody hell. Um, and then obviously after Kurt left, there's some ropey stuff. Yeah. Um, there's some good stuff, but there's some ropey stuff, and especially fertile ground. Everything since they reformed. Mm. So there's a whole there's a whole spectrum mm-hmm. from which to choose something shitty, and that for me that was hard. I'm like, where am I gonna Put my shit chip. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of felt the same. I think, um, I, to be honest, I did delve into the latter stuff um, for both hits and shits. Um, and I, to be fair, and I think I've had this when we've been talking about um, other artists as well. I've kind of looked back on it with a lot more favour than what, probably what I did um, originally. Um, so, yeah, and I looked at, because when they kind of, if you want to say reformed, when they started doing um, covers of other songs and all this stuff, mm. like some of those I thought, like, Ready to Start wasn't great and all this. And I was like, oh. But it's like, again, that's not it's not really one of their tracks. It's not really that fair. Um, so for me, I've kind of taken it from the main body of work, as it were. Um, and I guess, like, my hit was really... Uh, you might think that I'm cheating, actually, I suppose, a little bit. Um, I think by saying that, you might have already guessed what it is. But um, my hit was very difficult to choose from. But then I think, what do I get the most excited about when I listen to it? And there's a lot. There's a lot that I do. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think I know what what I've chosen because it changed a lot. I've got about three different ones here. Um, Okay. I'm thinking I'm going to go. My shit, however, it might be a bit unfair, um, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Why don't we start with one of yours? Because I feel like we've started a lot with me. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to get it over with. Let's go with the hit. Oh. It's a perennial classic. <laughs> no. Shit. No, let's I just thought, get it out the way. It's well, let's get it out. <laughs> I say get it out of the way. Less for the listeners, more for, for you and I, because I know it's a song. We both love and we both know very well. So Mm. it's quite a pedestrian choice, really. Mm. But I want to kick off with The Hurting. Mm -hmm. Is it 
writing. I remember us trying to like harmonize on this when we were about 16. <laughs> <laughs> it must have um, been quite the, uh, it's the treat for the neighbors, <laughs> <laughs> my parents. <laughs> um, yeah, we spoke about this when we did the uh, episode on its parents' album, The Hurting. Mm-hmm. I think it's just such a great opening track. Yeah. Um, arguably, there are stronger tracks on the album. Um, but I feel like they're all a bit better known, obviously, like the big singles. Um, I think like, this could have nicely been a single itself, probably deserved to be. It's got all the elements of um, what makes the early Tears for Fears so great. Mm-hmm. Um Really, as well, like, you know, emotional kind of vocal and lyrics. Um, yeah, really great like, interplay between the two um, vocals going on, like one going high, one going low. Um, nice sort of like mid paced as well. Really great synth sound. Mm-hmm. Nice bit of like um, some acoustic guitar in there as well. Whimsical, sad, but it's also like incredibly um, hooky. Yeah. And that rush you get when they hit that big, like, um, it's yeah, dream, it's like yeah. jubilant suddenly. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, and it just like it just feels so good. Yeah, totally. It's, um, yeah, I mean, people can go back and listen to our whole in depth analysis of that album, but um, it's a great track, it's a great hit. So it's a very, it's a very good, strong choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I love everything about the same as what you said. Basically, I love it's a bit weird. Um, it's also for people that didn't know, it's the uh, they used the drum beat from this and slowed it down and used it for do they know it's Christmas time? Um, oh, yeah, I remember little, you. <laughs> little known fact there, yeah, for you. yeah. Um, yeah, feel free to tell your friends. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of got it's got every it sums up, and we said this at the time, it sums up Tears of Fears perfectly in the fact that. It is horribly dark and depressing, yet jubilant, as you were saying. It's got the vocal, like, harmony weirdness that they do often, which works. It's clearly, like, uh, the powerhouse of them two. Um, yeah. Great synth sounds, great bass lines, gen- genuinely a great track. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a strong, a strong hit, I would say. Nice. And if you're listening, because like, you just sort of like casually are aware of Fierce for Fears, then probably you know stuff from songs from The Big Chair and, and maybe mm. um, Seeds of Love. Mm. Um, and maybe you know Mad World, which is on that first album. And if you like the Mad World sound, then yeah. I think we both are in agreement that that is the strongest album. Yeah. This early, early synth pop stuff. So yeah, get stuck in. Yeah, check it out. Um, and it feels like each track is different and yet not, but, um, yeah, I love it. Um, okay. Well, I go to my hit, my hit was, as I was saying, very tough to choose. Um, and I did kind of like, I did jump around a bit, but I just always kept coming back to the same thing. And it's a bit of a cheat because, um, uh, essentially it's for it's songs. It's from songs from the big chair. It is broken, but, part of why I love Broken so much is because it goes into Head Over Heels and then comes back to Broken, which is Broken Revisited. So for me, I'm saying, yeah, for me, it's the whole suite. Yeah, exactly. It's all kind of three songs as one experience. And for me, that's a hit. 
Um, and it's also probably one of the most famous uh, Tears of Fears tracks, especially with Donnie Darko and stuff. But let's let's have a listen. I don't know. Is it cheating a little bit? I mean, like the reason why I love Broken, it's a, it's a cool, like dark baseline. It feels like, I don't know, like there's just something, it's kind of like an energy and a vibe to it. Um, and then you've got the bit of singing at the end, like as you were saying, um, you know, with, uh, with other um, bands and stuff, sometimes when it's just having just that instrumental for ages. Yeah. Um, and then when the vocals come in, it just adds a bit of oomph that, um, you know, that wasn't maybe, uh, maybe would have been limited had the vocals not come in earlier or whatever. And yeah, then yeah. Head Over Heels, which is one of my favourite Tears of Fears songs. And again, it, it's a classic Tears of Fears pop song. Um, yeah. And it's got that, you know, they're all together at the end kind of chanting and it's all yeah. a bit, still a little bit sad, but jubilant. Um, it's got a great, you know, great, melody to it and everything and then the way that that just filters right back into broken um and it's got that powerful like fuck you kind of bass going on yeah um, and then weirdly it ends with like a crowd which i think has just been inserted in um you know I mean? yeah which is i was gonna i was gonna ask you about that because um yeah that um broken the, the final bit does sound live Mm. And then it's got the roar of the crowd, but I think it's been artificially treated to sound like that. Yeah, I don't, it definitely I think... sounds different to the first instance of Broken. Yeah, doesn't it? Like sonically, it sounds different. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I want to say it's fake, but I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, and then, I mean, like to be fair, that then rides into Listen, which is very eighties and very like panpipe kind of. <laughs> like easy listening but i genuinely enjoy that as well but for me it's a bit of a cheat but broken slash head over heels slash broken is um is my kind of fit it's my favorite um set of songs on uh, songs from the big chair i love it mm. um yeah i love how like broken it just starts and it's so dark and mysterious and cool mm. yeah it's got that swagger cool. um yeah. It's also like probably the most guitar heavy track on the album. Probably another reason why I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's uh, a leftover. It was a B side from the first album, simply called yes. "We Are Broken." Mm. Um, and he obviously then thought, okay, there's more in this. And I love that um, he must have then worked on that. Obviously, like the gestation for this album was famously very long. Yeah, they were working on. Someone said like, "Oh, was it?" Um, I can't remember now. One of the producers. What's his name? Ian Smith. Okay, I can't remember their names, but yeah, Ian Stanley. 
not Ian Smith, Ian Stanley. He said like, oh, I went away for a year and came back and they were still like working on the same, <laughs> the same track. <laughs> but it feels like basically like Roland's given himself time in the studio to like break that down, find out what it is about We Are Broken mm, that he likes. Yeah. And then like flog it, flog it mm. like a dead horse. And he's obviously come up with a, a, a better, more dynamic, exciting version of Broken. But out of that also, he's managed to construct head over heels out of the same chords. Yeah. Um, and there must have been a moment, I think, like as an artist where he went, oh, which, which way am I going to go? Which direction am I going to go with this song? And he's obviously thought, fuck it. This is so good. I want to have both. And I'll piece them together as this kind of sweet. Yeah. And it just works brilliantly. Yeah, it does. Uh, like, there's an element, and I always forget this, especially with Tears of Fears, and because, like, you know, they came when we were kids. They were still super young doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it always like, when I, it's exactly from what you were saying, when I listen to stuff like this, I'm just like, it's pure talent. It's, you know, it's brilliant. It's having the freedom to kind of work with that talent as well. And you get fucking great stuff like this. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's my, it's absolutely one of my hits. Um, I remember, I specifically remember when I really started getting into Tears for Fears um, and put songs in the big chair on and obviously it began with Shout and I'm like, I know this one. Um, and I, I remember when it got to Broken, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is amazing. And then going into Head Over Heels and back into Broken, I, you know, I, I still get, I still vaguely really like, rem- I remember the, I remember the feeling. I don't necessarily remember the time, but um, I still get like almost goosebumps or whatever. Like when I hear it, cause it was just like, so it made such an impression on me. It's just being like, especially when you kind of heard Head Over Heels before as well. Like yeah. um, you didn't even know that these, this broken song was like around it. Like, yeah. At all. Yeah. So, yeah, because we would have heard Head Over Heels as the single. Yeah, um, exactly. And the fact that there's this whole fucking cool song surrounding it. Yeah. Um, was I imagine amazing. the first time I heard Broken, I was probably like, hang on, that what, that's the bit from Head Over Heels. What's what's going yeah. on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just going, I know it's going. So, uh, yeah, that's my hit. Um, yeah. yeah. What about, I mean, also, I mean, Head Over Heels, we haven't really spoken about in too much depth here, but there's so much going on additional to just like... The skeleton of broken. Mm. I really love that vocal, where he like goes really high. Mm. Like I wanted to be with you alone. Like yeah, fantastic. Um, what about the music video too? I always yeah, thought that was library. really cool. In the library, and it's like really cool. I don't mean well. You'll know how it was done. Like the way he like the they on the the camera is kind of like following him, and he's kind of like sweeping up i think he must be on some kind of little platform like riser or something yeah and the camera's coming with him like all around the library mm. i always thought that was amazing i'd never seen that done before right um, yeah, i vaguely remember it but um yeah i, I just really remember that it was in the library <laughs> for the, for the most part. <laughs> there's a yeah. funny bit as well when it gets to the keyboard solo mm. and um he plays it with one finger looking like really really lazy and like he's got really like loads of attitude Brilliant. Ian Stanley the keyboard player like, he's like got his leather jacket on he just looks at the camera like it's a really weird look he gives to the camera like I can't be bothered but I'm also quite smug about it and just like <laughs> plays it with one finger it's really cool and there's a chimpanzee what the hell is that chimpanzee doing there yeah um, I really like the music video 
Check yeah. it out. There's a there's a smoking hot woman in it too. So that never that's God, you've got good good memory for this stuff. I told you <laughs> when um because a lot of people this was the song in Donnie Darko where it's um like going down the hallways of the mm. school and it's kind of floating along and um for a lot of people that was amazing um and i told you when i met richard um well the director basically because that's his first film oh god i should know his name that's awful um but the guy who directed donnie darko um and uh did a little piece for bbc world um a little like profile piece and i went to like his house met his parents and talking about the film and all this stuff Richard Kelly, that's it. And he was talking about Virginia and all this stuff where he lives, Richmond, um, and everything. And I remember, like, we, when we were just standing there chatting, waiting for someone to get the car to us or whatever. And I was like, you know, it's weird because it's like, at that point in time, um, I really loved Tears of Fears and they weren't cool. Like, yeah, yeah. It was, um, you know, it was it's strange because of everything that's happened since. I honestly, until I saw Donnie Darko, I thought I was the only person in the world, basically, that liked Tears for Fears. Obviously, it's because you, Dampy, you know what I mean? I'm saying it for effect. Um, and he literally was just like, yeah. I was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he gave you. Well, yeah, I was thinking that we were going to go into this whole, like, fucking conversation about, like, Tears for Fears. And he'd be like, yeah, you know, I really love them all, but I was doing this and whatever. And he's just like, yeah, like whatever. And I was thinking, oh, maybe he didn't choose the songs. I don't know. Maybe he was not a Tears of Fears fan. <laughs> yeah. um, do you know what I mean? Maybe it's yeah, yeah. or like he was like, I don't know, like they forced to use it. Yeah, exactly. They showed me some tracks, and I picked this one, and it just was Tears of Fears. Um, but yeah, I remember specifically watching that film, going, "Fuck, you don't you don't see Tears of Fears in a movie before, especially with such prominence." Yeah, um, and especially like with something that's not like everybody wants to rule the world or something. Yeah, um, yeah. For a lot of and, people, it's one of the most memorable sequences of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, and there's other tears of fears in it, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. Obviously, Mad World. And, uh... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
and his beard, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> so okay, fine. That's a disappointing moment. Yeah, it was really disappointing because I thought oh, I was going to geek out over some tears of fear. <laughs> he's a bit of a moody guy anyway. He's quite funny because it's like, I was asking him about Jake Gyllenhaal as well. It's like, oh, are you still friends with him? Still talk to him? He's like, yeah, yeah, we talk every now and then. Um, but uh, it made it sound like they don't really. <laughs> um, and the fact that you weren't able to geek out at that point, you repressed that. And that's the reason why we have to do this. What do you mean? <laughs> if he'd given you that little bit of time to oh, have right. that conversation. To geek out over it. I see. But you've, yeah. you've held on to it for 20 years. Yeah, that's true. You know what, and it erupted thing... into Oddcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one thing I do remember about Richard Kelly, right, is that he had very tight T-shirts on, but he just mm, nice. worked his arms. So he had like <laughs> had like muscular arms and everything yeah. else was really skinny and he just looks weird. Do you know when it's like people do like what's called like the show muscles or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. it's like he's a very small person, he's a very small guy. Just arms, pure arms, and he's very like monotonous and like just looks like moody and emo or something. It's weird. His family, lovely. Like classic <laughs> white picket fence, American kind of family. Live in a big nice house. All very sweet, all f- super proud of him, as you would be, like, you know, making that kind of film. Um, but yeah, not to take away from Richard Kelly, because he was a really, um, he was a really nice guy. Um, but yeah, it was quite funny. So he actually, as well, got me in touch. I'm just name dropping here for the sake of it. He got me in touch with, um, he said, Oh, you should chat to Eli. Um, he'd like to do something like this. And I was like, Okay, cool. Eli Roth, he's talking about. Right. And I was like, Great. Okay. You know, he's a big name. People know who he is. I went to the bed and then me and Eli Roth were swapping emails. He's like, I'd really love to do it. I think in Boston, I think it was where he's from. I'd really love to do it in Boston um, and give a little in to get, uh, um, do the end. I could show you some places here. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And we had like this little cool little to and fro. And then I went to the BBC and was like, okay, cool. We've got Eli Roth as well. Um, if we want him. And they were like, mm, no. Oh. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? No, like he's, he's a fairly, you know, big name. And they were like, yeah. No, he does, uh, um, like, torture porn. Um, they didn't say that. That's what they're insinuating. And I was like, yeah, but he's done other stuff. He's just, he's a horror director. Like, yeah, you know, we can't, what, we're just not having horror directors on. And I had to, I had to fucking email Eli Roth and basically say the BBC don't want you. Wow. Um, and he was fucked off. He didn't reply or anything back to me after that. Um, so clearly, clearly that upset him. Um, yeah, but, but now yeah. you can invite him onto onto the podcast and make uh, amends. Yeah, I wish I could. He's busy rebuild doing, that um, bridge. He's doing the Borderlands movie. Borderlands is a well-known game franchise. A game, yeah. Um, making that with Sigourney Weaver, I think. Randomly, maybe I've made that up. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, let's people go into... want to hear sorry. people. People want to hear the, the nerdy detail about Broken. Yeah, so I've just they been doing some reading. Eli Roth. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, that is genuinely a live recording of Broken. Oh, it is? Okay. Um, do you know, it was recorded at a concert. How it was also it? filmed. Uh, mm, let me double check. No, I don't, I don't, I'm just guessing. Um, yes. Hammersmith Odeon, which was our favourite in my mind's eye, that VHS. Oh, right, okay, oh, fucking hell. Which, <laughs> so yeah, Sam doesn't like it. I love it. It's got it's the most eighties thing ever. Like the presentation, 
it's someone's just found a whole host of transitions. <laughs> so it's all like the screen is like a floating square, but it's like all the time. So you never, you're just like, just hold the shot, stop moving it. And it will go into like four screen, eight screen, <laughs> 16 screen. And then it'll suddenly zoom out and zoom in. It's just constant. You're just like, what is it doing? It's fucking up the whole thing. Show me the concert. Um, that's great. That's infuriating. So, I'm going to um, go back and check that out though. So if you listen to the version of Broken on that video, apparently it is the version that's on the album. So I'm going to test that. Okay. I'm going to test that. Um, did you know that Head Over Heels was released as a four-leaf clover-shaped picture disc? God. This is my four-leaf clover. Do you know what was on the B-side? Um, don't know. My shit. My shit? My shit was on the B-side. What? My sh- my, I'm segueing. What do you mean? into into playing my shit. Oh, my so there's not, there's not a track called My Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I take a copy of the single and defecate on it. Defecate on it. That's, that's, that's the two things I was thinking. My head, my head didn't go there automatically. My shit. It's not the B-side. I've never heard that Tears of Fears. Uh, that such was a, a, it's such a random title for a B-side <laughs> for like a massive pop song. That's a perfectly was... constructed link, Sam. I was sorry. Being, being professional podcaster. Sorry. sorry. The sorry. Um, okay, your shit, <laughs> your shit track was the B-side. And what, what is it? When in love with a blind man. Mm, we've all had that problem. Let's have a listen. other tears of fears track basically it's the same melody it's the working hour um yeah. it's a strange peek into a world where the working hour and by extrapolation the whole of songs from the big chair could have been complete and utter shit right um this is this is an earlier version apparently of of the working hour so presumably they had to go at this and then realized it wasn't working discarded it and uh, rolled up their sleeves and got on with uh, crafting a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, but then I guess they was kind of like, well, we need stuff to put on the B sides of these singles. Oh, do you remember that thing we did? Didn't really work, did it? Let's put it on. Um, I, I think their B sides around this time are quite disappointing. It's always, some of them, some people might say, oh, it's interesting because it's like quite experimental. Mm. I always think it's like stuff that hasn't worked. Um, and often it's like really slight or kind of like undercooked. Right. And I think this is like one of the worst examples of that. Um, I really hate how like the vocal melody follows the like the main melody. Yeah. Um, I hate the lyrics. Yeah. 
I remember telling you about this song when I first got a copy of Head Over Heels. Because right. this is before, obviously, I think this is before like reissues on CD and stuff. So we wouldn't have had a copy of this. Mm. You know, and this is before streaming and everything. So I think I finally got hold of like the single seven inch and I like, played it. And I was telling you about it. And you were like, in love with a blind man. That sounds shit. <laughs> It's just a shit title. And all this stuff like, make love to the man. Like the vocal, it's like the worst example of like them doing kind of like a really small, like fawning kind of vocal. Mm -hmm. It's like all that kind of fey stuff, but with none of them. I like it when they temper that within like the big overblown vocals as well. This is just like small and thin and weedy and reedy and whiny. Um, and it just doesn't go anywhere and it's just annoying. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah. I mean, I'm in two minds in the sense of I still like the melody of what's going on behind it, which is obviously mm. working now and then. Um, but yeah, as you said, the, it's just an awful version thereof. Um, yeah. So yeah, I can understand why it's just shit. Like, why would you ever listen to this, basically? Why would yeah. anyone choose to spend their time listening to this when they can just listen to? Um, working out. Yeah. Yeah. I find it offensively bad though. Yeah. Well, you bloody would, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> Have you got something worse for me? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be fair, it's from this same time. Okay. So all my stuff, hits and shits are from Songs in the Big Chair. Um, okay. And my shit is The Big Chair. same page here because this is exactly what i was talking about Mm. these b-sides from this album particularly this is a great example of one of these ones where it's like he's just trying stuff out yeah but it hasn't even gelled into anything resembling a song no i mean it does kind of it does different things that's why i'm like i'm a little bit in two minds about it because one thing as far as experimental stuff goes I don't mind it as much as some things that are experimental. Yeah. Um, but I find it quite torturous to listen to <laughs> more <laughs> so than what would be deemed worse stuff. Um, yeah, I just, there's just nothing in it really. There's nothing in it for me. It, it just feels like very throwaway. There's part of me and I've, I think it's my brain just trying to reach basically where I'm like, as a tonal piece, it could work in a sense of it sounds quite dark and horrific and kind of like what we were talking about Silent Hill, like there's an element of doesn't feel quite right and there's certain sounds and noises that make it you feel slightly um, like disturbed or whatever, uncomfortable, I should say. Yeah. Um, and there's an element of that to it. But yeah, I just sit going, I just think it's just, 
it just sounds like someone fucking about basically and as you said trying to get it as a b-side just a bit of content or whatever um yeah i think that's what it and it's weird as well well. like yeah i mean it's like songs from the big chair so there's an element here where it's like it's called this track the big chair so it's the idea that this is the experiment and like in some kind of weird lynching fashion everything else has been drawn from this initial kind of thought experiment almost i like the idea of that whether that's the case i don't think it's true um but yeah it's not for me one of the things um yeah that's interesting about these songs as well is that all of them say uh like this one the big chair underproduced by ian stanley and some of the other ones just say not produced okay which i think is probably like roland's sense of humor of, of actually saying like this is just stuff i was mucking around with and i'm just gonna put it out there i think if it wasn't for the fact oh, there's two things here again like if you're just like picking up the deluxe cd mm. and all this is on one disc mm. or you're just streaming it that's fine but i had to go around for years <laughs> as a teenager <laughs> yeah. record collector like buying these things yeah because i wanted to hear these these b-sides and you know, we were both like big B-side fans and you'd find out really exciting gems, wouldn't you? On, on the yeah, B-side of singles. It's new stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I just remember like with these Tears of Fear singles, this era, just be like, uh, oh. <laughs> and it's not like, if it was just one, and you, then I'd be like, oh, big the big chair, that's a weird one. It would stick out in my mind. But there's too much... Like when you when I look at like the list of other songs um, from this era, Empire Building, The Marauders, The Conflict, Pharaohs, mm-hmm. and as we've discussed, When in Love with a Blind Man, um, yeah, just like a whole heap of disappointment awaiting you <laughs> when yeah. you've when you've spent your uh, hard earned two pounds on mm-hmm. a seven inch single. <laughs> yeah, well, people forget. Yeah, I mean the same kind of thing is that. Um, the B-sides were pretty important because they also, you know, this was a time when people, you know, you buy a single or whatever, that might be the first time you've heard this band. Um, you don't want to buy the album. You can't stream the album. You can't hear it anywhere apart from the radio. And the B-side is giving you an insight into, you know, what the rest of the, what their rest of the music might sound like. Um, yeah. And it's not, um, it's not going to be like an album track. Cause obviously they want you to buy the album to hear that stuff. It's normally stuff that's, um, you know, been re- recorded as part of the album, but hasn't made it. Or maybe it's like a live track so that you've got the song, but you, you're hearing it live instead of the actual perfect produced version or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, but when it's something that's just like a bit throwaway and all this stuff, it's kind of a bit disrespectful, I think, of that time. Like nowadays, who gives a fuck? But at that yeah. time, it was, um, it was a bit more of a you know, a bit more of a big deal. Um, I, yeah. You know. I respect that he's tried to showcase different sides of Tears for Fears, especially on this album as they sort of push into a more commercial spectrum. So he's obviously wanted to go, like, I am still this kind of innovative electronic music producer. Yeah. Um, I see plenty of comments, actually, people online who single out some of these tracks that I've just derided as being really interesting and, like... Um, yeah, showing off this like total 
other angle and probably like people are more into like electronic and dance and things like this and mm-hmm. uh, but um yeah for me i just i can't engage with any of it yeah i mean i'm not 100 percent against it but as you said if it's something like in love with the blind man all that stuff where it's like it's just this it's just a worse version of the song <laughs> it's like then what's yeah. then really like release something else that's at least original that do you know what I mean? I don't know. No, it, it feels weird. I think they worked on these songs like so long. It feels like they didn't actually have any anything extra to give. No, not not like proper finished songs. Yeah. So it's all these kind of scraps of things that they gave up on. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, cool. Well, that was Tears of Fears. Another insight there. Um, yeah, I reckon we could do another one on those because, uh, like I said, there's like loads of different eras of the band where we could. Um, look for look for hits and shits. So, yeah, um, pick from. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's call it a day there. Um, yeah. And thanks for listening to another hit and shit on Tears of Fears. More to come. Keep listening, watching, and whatever. Um, and yeah, we'll see you on the next one. See you then, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. 